Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today's Thursday, August 25th. This is episode number 161. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Things are going good, Rod. We're we're fighting the fight with the bees again. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I still got some. Uh, I still got some survivors out back myself. So, Jeez, so yeah. yeah. And uh, joining us in that fight today, I understand, is is our guest, uh, Casey Kinnaman. Casey, how are you today? I am doing wonderful. <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> we're glad you could join us, and um, let me introduce you properly, and then and then. Um, Maybe we'll talk yellow jackets for a couple minutes or bees or whatever. But um, Casey, you, you write for uh, Dog Pound Daily, so people can find your stuff. I'm sure on on your Twitter, which is at Casey underscore Kenneman, or um, at at uh, at Dog Pound Daily, and uh, you also do a podcast at Pulse of the Pound. Correct. Yep. You got it, man. That's right. it. Anything else you want to? get out there or is, or is that covering it i mean it covers me in a nutshell you know i could we could go deeper but i don't think we need to delve into the things that i do okay <laughs> good enough um yeah so jeff and i've been fighting yellow jackets uh consistently here for a while and um you told us you you fight them here and there or or was it bees or what'd you get today they fight me. I don't really do much fighting back. I, I just run and take cover wherever I can. Um, yeah, I, I, do, I deliver mail, so I, I'm constantly under barrage. Those things, they, they, they gang up on you, you know, so I got to stay on my toes and keep my raid handy. But uh, I didn't have anything today, but about two weeks ago, man, they got me good. My left hand was all swole. It was, it was gross. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, I got stung once in the hand. Um, whatever, it's it's been probably almost a month ago. I got stung, and yeah, that one in the hand, my hand looked pretty nasty. So, I feel for you, man. Um, not fun. Um, but we're going to talk a lot of brown stuff tonight. But before we get going on that, let's let's talk about what we're drinking. Um, Willer Blitz beverages, and Casey, you are the guest, so you get to go first. Well, tonight I am drinking the Social Lubricator. It is a Doppelbach lager. It's uh, from a local brewery where I'm from. It's the Southern Grawl, which is in Greer, South Carolina. And this bad boy packs a 7.4. Um, to me, it tastes a little bit like some charred caramel and maybe a little bit of toffee is kind of what it gives me. But when I was reading like the tasting notes on the can, it was saying something about plums and honey roasted figs. Which I don't get any of that, but I, I don't have the most refined palate, so something might made it past me. I'm kind of there with you. Um, you know, I order some of these beers at Christmas time that that say that they have all these different tastes in them, and, and a lot of times I, I kind of get, you know, one taste out of it, you know, and that's kind of it. So, so I. I think in the lighter beers, I can differentiate a little bit better. But when you get into these darker beers, I have a hard time getting past just the pure maltiness of it, you know, and, and uh, um, whatever you want to call it, the caramel taste, the coffee taste. Um, so so I'm drinking this uh, Duclaw Pastriarchy Almond Brittle Imperial Stout. And this is an 8.3%. And I got it. I got to tell you, it tastes like a stout. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't had a lot of it yet, so I'm hoping that I'll get, I, honestly, at first, I mean, the first taste of it, I really didn't even like it. But the more I get into it, it, it starts tasting better and better, and you can you can taste more and more flavor in it. So I think it's kind of getting your palate prepared and kind of working on it. So, but um yeah, I'm drinking a 16 ounce, 8.3 percenter here, so um, so bear with me tonight, guys. Same here, man. Same here. And I'll let you know if any of this plum and honey thing starts coming through, but as of now, I'm not getting any. Yeah, if I taste any almond brittle, I'll let you know too. <laughs> it's kind of where I am. I'm like, man, just let me taste some brittle here. You know, I'll be good. So, and and I love Duclaw. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of Duclaw. And I, I looked in my fridge because I thought I had a sweet baby Jesus left, but I must have drank it. 
not out there. So I'll have to get some more. Anyways, um, that, that's our uh, beverage segment for this evening. Um, Casey, I, I didn't even mention this to you, but we always do a, a little segment when somebody's on the podcast for the first time, and, and we like to give, uh, give the guest a chance to talk about their Browns journey. It's more or less, um, you know, how you became a Browns fan, just high points or really anything you want to share about that, uh, about your Browns fandom. Okay. Yeah, let's let's do this. Let's go. I'll, I'll try to give you the cliff notes. Um, okay. I wasn't born into it, you know, like a lot of people are. I'm. Uh, where you guys live uh, near Dayton? Is that correct? I'm in Dayton. Jeff's in Jeff's up in Garrettsville and okay. been up in Cleveland most of his life. Yeah. Well, I'm from Chillicothe, Ohio. So, shout okay. out to the first capital. But mm-hmm. I wasn't born into a fandom of any team, and I chose the Browns for myself. Now, if you'd have told my nine-year-old self what I was getting myself into, maybe I would have had second thoughts. But basically, it worked out is I wanted to find a football team. I was playing football. And where I'm from, wherever you, whatever school you go to, you were affiliated with a team, and they were all pro teams. And the school district I happened to play, play in were the Steelers. And I knew one thing at the age of eight. I did not want to be a Steelers fan. So I started looking for a team. And uh, my mom had a friend who was uh, taking her son to a Browns game. So they wanted to know if we wanted to tag along. And this is October 16, 1988. So we get in the car. We make the three-hour journey. We go up there. The Browns were playing the Eagles. And Bernie was hurt. So Don Strzok was the starting quarterback. So this is at the old Muni. So I walk in that building. And from the moment I was in there, like, I knew I found my place. These were my people. And uh, the Browns put it on the Eagles, 19 to three. Max scored, Slaughter scored. It was, and just just the feeling of being in there, man. Like from that second on, I was hooked. I was a Browns fan, and then it just escalated from there. And by the next year, I'm in fifth grade hosting playoff parties, like when we played the Bills. You know, like it escalated quickly, and uh, I've been all in ever since, for better or for worse. So, so uh, Jeff, I've got to ask you, do you know if you were at that Eagles game? I don't think I was. I remember watching it with Don Strzok playing, but yeah, no, I, I was not it. at that one. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't play a ton of games for the Browns, so yeah. No, it was a pretty cool. less than a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah people, um, Casey, people bring up games, and it seems like people bring up that Jets double overtime game all the time, which Jeff was at. So I just thought it'd be interesting to see if Jeff was at that game because because yeah. I was living down in Dayton, just uh, um, just out of college at that point. So so yeah, um, I wasn't there, but uh, but cool. That's that's um, it's kind of cool to just to um, just to hear the way different people got there. As, as Browns fans, so. Um, yeah, and you live in Dayton, so you see it. There's it kind yeah. of pools. I'm sure there's a lot of Bengals fans where you're at. There's yeah, I know a lot of Bengals Browns fans. fans. Um, depending on how you know how uh, things go, there, yeah. you know, um, depending on who won the division the prior year yeah. is how much how many um, Browns or or uh, rate. And we don't see many Ravens, but it, it's it's Browns, Steelers, and and Bengals. Well, Shola Coffee is probably even more so because we're a little closer to Pittsburgh, so they get a little bit of pull. But yeah. even growing up, you know, it was like, especially at that time because the Bengals were on their Super Bowl run that year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I just gravitated towards Cleveland. The fans won me over. And, yeah, I, you know, like, even though things have went the way they've went, I, w- I, I would never, I could, I could never make another choice. Like, right. I made the right one. Definitely. So guys, um, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but uh, but the Browns played a, a preseason game against those same Eagles, uh, uh, that second preseason game, and um, I, I guess just get some thoughts from each of you guys on that preseason game, what you saw, um, thoughts from that game, and then we'll kind of we'll move on to what you expect out of the, out of this uh, third preseason game. So, so Jeff, we'll let you go first with just some general thoughts on that second preseason game against the, against the Eagles. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to draw a lot of conclusions from a game where, you know, you really aren't seeing any of the guys who are going to be first team. Um, yeah. But all in all, I thought a lot of the guys who were who were playing for jobs did really well in that game. And, and I thought a couple things stood out. Um, number one, um, on defense, you know, things were pretty soft early on. Um, but when it really counted, um, they were able to stop the Eagles um, and get um, uh, fourth down stops close to the goal line or, or force field goals. So that shows that this defense can rise to the occasion, I think. Um, individually, um, you know, I thought Alex Wright showed that he can be a run stopper, which, you know, we really didn't expect to see from him. Um, you know, uh, put that together with um, – uh, that together with Isaiah Thomas from last week, really showing some pass rush moves. Those are the things that those we didn't expect from those two guys. Those were kind of the, the weaknesses in their game. So to see both of those guys um, show a little bit in the areas that we, we were looking for, I thought was very positive, you know, for, for both of them in terms of being able to make the team. Um, you know, offensively, um, you know, good job running the ball with our second team offensive line. Um, it was nice to see David Bell out there making a few catches. Um, but, you know, just all in all, uh, th- there was a nice pace to the offense with Josh Dobbs. Um, and he continued to show us that he's more than capable um, as our backup quarterback. So, uh, you know, a clean game, not a bunch of penalties, and, you know, all in all for a second preseason game, um, pretty well executed. Yeah, yeah. So um, what would you like to add to that, Casey? Uh, I think it was a pretty clean game from a penalty perspective. You know, you like to see mm-hmm. that. You like to see things, you know, keep the laundry off the field. Um, I do think the Eagles exposed the Browns' biggest weakness on defense. They, as long as they were running north and south, they were having their way. Anytime the Eagles tried anything stretch, our linebackers were able to, you know, and the edge players able to close the distance and snuff it out. But when they were running those RPOs up the middle, it was Swiss cheese, you know. And I think we can all acknowledge that is the Browns' weakest point on defense. Um, but you see the competitiveness. You see, you're seeing uh, like the linebackers. I was very encouraged by the linebackers, Tony Fields. You know, he, he he definitely has good range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't pronounce number 51's name to save my life. Kunasik, I believe. That's as close as I'm going to get. We're, we're going to go with that, yeah. He plays with a crazy motor. He had five yeah. stop tackles. Like, he's very stout and run. And he's the guy who's competing for the back end of that roster. But that's what these preseason games are for, you know. And, and I think he accounted yeah. himself well. And offensively, I was I would highlight the entire second offensive line. I mean, they played tremendous. Uh, Michael Dunn looks to be a very serviceable backup center. Um, Alex Taylor played well. Hudson played well. And from top to bottom, the Browns have the best running back room in the entire league, and I won't hear otherwise. I mean, they have all those guys are NFL caliber running backs, even to Kelly. Um, and Ford is going to force their hand. He is put, He is showing you so much. that you know, like It's similar to what Chubb did when he came in the league. But when Chubb did it, he only had Carlos Hyde in front of him. This, you know, Ford obviously has three running backs in front of him, so it's going to be tougher to, to get to the top of that pecking order. But he is showing so much, and I think he'll be the reason that one of those other running backs end up getting traded. And Dobbs. Dobbs, like, he's poised. He's very decisive with the ball. Uh, and he's a plus enough athlete that if things don't go perfect, he can still make things happen. You know, so I think – I think what Dobbs is doing right now is auditioning for the future backup job down the line. And uh, so far he's equipped himself well. He's uh, shown that this off- he's very in command of this offense. He gets him out of- and out of the huddle efficiently. So I was very pleased with what I saw from him. And uh, to what Jeff was saying, to see uh, Bell out there finally getting some reps and-, and looking like he belonged, he's real slippery. He's one of those guys that can catch a little three, four yarder and, Get another three or four yards, even if it doesn't look like it's there. And shout out to Mike Harley. He showed a, a real competitiveness. I know he had two drops late, and 
and what you see late sometimes, you know, paints a picture for you. But like what he showed me early, like with the double catch or that pump and go that him and Dobbs operated at the end of the first half, that was beautiful. So it's good to see one of these young receivers finally stepping up because that is another weak point for this team and they need some of that. And I'd like to shout out to Nakia Griffin-Stewart, who I think is rapidly becoming the leading candidate for tight end three on this team. He's uh, shown a good catch radius, and he's very competent over the middle, and he looks like he could be a guy that could at times uh, give you that 13 personnel that the Browns like to run. Mm-hmm. I think that he might be that guy for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, so what are you guys uh... – looking forward to in this game against the Bears. Obviously, um, you know, uh, we're going to see some some starters and that, but um, uh, I don't I don't even know if they've really announced who all is going to play. I don't so I don't know if we're going to see all the starters and and for how much time yet. I don't uh, I don't know if that's even come out yet, but um, what are you guys hoping to see, um, you know, and and um, if we do see a lot of starters, who are you going to be paying the most attention to? Well, they so, did announce that Brissett is going to get the start. Yeah. Now we don't yeah. we don't know how long that's going to last, but I am very interested to see his operations. You know, mm-hmm. getting them out of the huddle, getting them set up, getting them in the right right looks, and just the to see you want to see efficiency. That's really all you want. We don't right. need anything wow. They're not going to show you any wrinkles. It's going to be vanilla as can be. Yeah. But I just want to see that. I just want to see him handle it. I want to see it. I want it to look like a professional operation. That's all we really need to see in this last preseason game from him. And like you said, we don't know what other starters, you know, they're going to bring the starting offensive line out because they're not going to put Brissett out there with twos. But uh, it's just interesting because, you know, the preseason, for me, and this kind of bleeds over to what happened earlier in the NFL today with the Aaron Donald situation, right? I don't know if you, you guys aware of what happened today. Yeah, I, I know he. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I didn't uh, see. And I don't know if there's even footage of it out there, but I. I, I heard that he swung two helmets. I didn't get to see it, but I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. footage out there. Um, okay. But That's what probably I'm, bad. For what, him, but yeah. What I'm worried about is the NFL. Who they're not going to punish him because it's practice. They're going to leave it up to the teams to discipline. But I'm worried they're going to start limiting joint practices. Which, even though I know we don't get to watch them, to me, this, those are more beneficial than the actual preseason games, at least for your starters. That's where they're getting their real work in, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't put a, uh, a limitation on these teams getting together for joint practices, because I think that's the best way for these starters to really get ramped up for the season. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what other starters they put out there. I don't think they'll put Cooper out there just because they cannot afford an injury to Amari Cooper with right. the wide receiver room, the way it's constructed currently. he's We have to keep that man. So just bubble wrap him and get him to the season. <laughs> but uh, DPJ, <laughs> yeah. I want to see him and Bell kind of operate together. i like to see Njoku and Harrison Bryant get some looks with Brissett because I think they're going to be heavy, heavily utilized. I don't anticipate them playing Chubb, but they may play Hunt. I can see a scenario where that happens. So yeah. just interested to see who, who they go with, what kind of personnel groupings they tend to lean on. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel just based on what they have right now. So those are the things I'm looking for offensively. And defensively, just attack. That's all I want to see. They're not going to show you any exotic blitzes or anything that they're going to no. unveil week one. No, but you want to see that aggressiveness, and you want to see guys flow to the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, um, your thoughts on the on the game against the Bears, and uh, maybe some other things that you're looking for. Yeah, not a lot to add to that. I mean, I like the the word Casey used, efficiency on offense. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, under under Brissett, just you know, getting him some some snaps in a live game and um, starting to develop a little bit of a flow on offense. Um, I don't think there's any need to play Nick Chubb. Um, you know, you, you no, probably let's get. Be, let's not be silly about this. <laughs> or or Amari Cooper. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you, you get you get a few of your starters out there, and you start to you know get a little bit of a, of a flow with the offense. And I think you know, that's really the what you're looking for in terms of a dress rehearsal. 
in, in the final preseason game, and you just want to come out of it clean without any injuries. Um, you know, defensively, it's, it's I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. Um, you know, as as guys get worked in, um, so I, I don't expect to see a lot defensively either. Um, just you know, sort of these these last few roster spots being answered. Um, you know, who's going to be the the fourth or fifth and edge, and you know, who's going to be the starting tackles, that kind of thing. Uh, hopefully that stuff shakes out in this Bears game. Um, but you know what, if, if we if we keep, continue to get gashed against the run in the preseason, you know, that's probably not a really great thing, but it's not, not worth getting upset about or, or concerned about um, until we see it carry over into the regular season. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go back to what Casey said about the uh... – you know about the joint practices and and not wanting to lose those because we heard we heard Stefanski and and there was a lot of talk about how much they got out of those joint practices with the Eagles and how they were already hoping they could do it again next season and everything of course depending on right. the schedule so so yeah you definitely want to um, hopefully keep that kind of thing going um, right. And, it should be something you can control a lot better than the game, too. So, uh, um, uh, you know, regardless of what, what happened uh, between the Rams and the Bengals, you would think. So, um, so guys, uh, uh, J.C. Treader announced he's retire, uh, retiring. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think about this. I mean, I, I don't want to ask you if you're surprised. I mean, nobody showed any, any interest in him. And. You know, he, he's really hobbled through the last few seasons, so I don't even know how I really feel about this. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing for him, but for teams to not show any, any interest in him, it just kind of seems like like uh, these guys are all in back rooms talking and saying, yeah, this guy's not getting a job in the NFL. And that, to me, just doesn't feel right. No, and you have to wonder how much of it is because of his role with the NFLPA, you know? Yeah. like. Ninety-nine percent of it. Uh, no, I mean, no, I mean, part of it's probably the fact that he's. Uh, I mean, he's. I don't know what his age is. What is he? What is he, guys? Thirty-two, maybe. I was gonna say thirty-four. Thirty-four. Um, okay. Yeah, you, you might be closer to thirty-two. That's very yeah, possible. He's, he's somewhere around there, but and yeah, and I mean, he's. He's uh, he, he's always played through it, but I mean, he's had these leg injuries, um, you know, the past few seasons. Yeah, he's got a degenerative knee issue. Um, he doesn't practice until Friday. It's, you know, he'll roll the helmet, helmet out on Friday and do walkthroughs. Yeah. But he was a he he was a top ten center on Sundays. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that does make you wonder. Like I, I know with the Browns in particular, it provided a problem because last year he called for the offensive unit to set out the first session of offseason, and they did. You know, and I know for a coach like Stefanski, who is that was his first chance to actually get to do that because the year before was COVID and they couldn't meet up anyway. You know, so you know that they had probably filed that in the back of their mind of, you know, it's not something they want to do season after season, not getting their hands on the offense and getting to implement everything up mm-hmm. front because you don't, these practices now because of the NFLPA, they're limited. They don't get a ton of time. You know, you got to kind of got to hit the ground running, especially if you have continuity, you know, you want to keep that going. You don't have to keep starting over. So I know that had a yeah. lot to do with it. Uh, but I'll also say this, him not practicing is what gave them confidence that they could turn the ball over to Nick Harris because they saw him Tuesday through Thursday. You know, he was the one running with ones. So they kind of knew what they had in him, even though he had limited game experience. He had thousands of reps with those guys during the year. Now, we know that didn't end all well because of what happened, but I think that right. was what gave them the confidence that they could move on from Treader. Yeah, yeah. So um, just to to for the sake of accuracy, yeah, J.C. Treader will be uh, 32 on February 12th. So he's actually uh, a little younger than my oldest son, <laughs> which who, I still think of as being a very young man. OK, um, when you so, put it that way, okay. It, it it kind of it kind of puts in into perspective um, how short NFL careers are. You know that that um, he's been hobbled for the last few years, and and he 
felt at this point that, you know, he had, he had been through enough and um, wanted to hang it up. Um, these guys really take a pounding and, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's over, it's over quick. So um, I congratulate him on a, a great career and, and he played really well for us and, and showed a lot of moxie the last couple of seasons by always being out there, even when he probably didn't want to be. Um, but I think probably we don't aren't privy to, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, but I think he probably knew at the end of last season that he wasn't coming back this season and it just kind of worked out that way. Probably true. Probably true. So, yeah. So, um, so let, let's take some time to go through this defensive roster guys. Um, and we'll just go by room. Um, we don't want to take uh, we don't want to take an additional hour, so uh, so we're not going to go through player by player, like last week. Like last week when we <laughs> went rather long. Um, we'll try to go be a we'll try to um, have a little more brevity this time if we can. Um, but you know we'll see what happens. We we do get into our detour sometimes. So, um, right. anyways, we'll just. Uh, We'll just kind of look at these rooms, and I mean, the idea is just to kind of, you know, um, go through here and kind of think about how many spots we think, you know, are available and, and who you think has the best shot and, um, you know, who you think might still be playing for a job and and all that. So uh, um, in no apparent order, and and I've got the names written down, and if I miss somebody, you guys let me know, okay, because <laughs> the roster's out there. I went by one that I thought was accurate, but uh, but these things change pretty fast this time of year too. So um, so let's just go defensive end, and um, you know the the guys who clearly have jobs are, are Clowney and Garrett uh, for sure, um, and I, I would think that uh, I would think that Alex uh, Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas probably have jobs. Um, kind of be surprised if either of those guys don't make the team. And that that leaves um, one, two, three, that leaves four guys. So that's that's four guys in and four guys out. So it's a matter of how many guys the Browns are going to carry defensive end. Um, you know, sometimes they carry four, sometimes five. I don't think you normally would carry more than that unless you have a guy you think is going to slide inside and play defensive tackle for you sometimes, you know, um, like like if they're thinking that, that – uh, you know, they're going to play Clowney and Garrett inside sometimes on a four-man or five-man front. Um, you know, that would be interesting. But uh, um, the other guys are, are Chase uh, Winovich, um, Isaac Rochelle, Chris Odom, and Curtis Weaver. Um, so I'm just I'm going to turn this over to you, Casey, and, and uh, kind of – just get your thoughts on, on uh, I guess, first, how many guys you think that they'll probably carry, and if you agree on those four guys making the team, and 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 who who you think has the best shot at at joining those guys, if if you think they're going to carry five guys. Well, I do think they are going to carry five. The last two years, they've carried nine defensive linemen going into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to keep five. Now, obviously, Garrett, Clowney, Wright, I think those are locks. Um, I would next. My next guy in the room would be Isaac Rochelle. He yeah. has, he's, he's shown stout. He's, he's, he's flashing to me. I, he pops off on the screen to me. Uh, I think Isaiah Thomas has shown enough that you, he's a seventh-round pick. You keep him. I think the guy that's left without a chair in the music stops is Chase Winovich. Um, and going into the season, I thought he for sure was going to be the first guy off the bench to spell Clowney and Garrett and pass rest situations if they need to get a breather on second and long, you know, mm-hmm. but it just hasn't been there. He had 23 reps against Jacksonville. It was just virtually invisible. Um, and then he's been hurt and you can't make the club from the tub. So, and I, yeah. and I know that surprises people because they traded for him, but when you look at it and they traded Mac Wilson for him because they knew Mac Wilson wasn't going to make this team. Yeah. So, to me, it's like it's a, it's a yeah. non-factor. If Winovich doesn't make the team, then you just you took a shot. Doesn't look like it's working. You know, I think those are the five they're going to roll with. Um, I think that you know someone will give Winovich a shot. 
I was actually surprised when he wasn't one of the people cut this week just to kind of give him a jump start. Uh, but those are the five I think they carry. I'm very intrigued. Uh, and I, I will touch on what you said earlier about kicking people inside to play tackle. They do that with Clowney every now and again. Mm. He's a candidate for that. And if you look at the skill sets, Alex Wright has that potential. Now, I don't think they'll do that to him as a rookie. They want him to get set and where he's at. But I think eventually he's that same kind of mold as Clowney is. Mm-hmm. Physical freak, long, good at the point of attack. And what Clowney does well is set the edge. And what we saw out of Alex Wright last week was that. He was able to set the edge and then crash backside on run support, which is exactly what you need of the defensive end that is opposite of Miles. So I think he's a great fit. And I think he's going to be the first guy off the bench. Uh, he's coming along faster than uh, I think they anticipated, which makes someone like Winovich kind of expendable. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh- what do you think, Jeff? Do you agree, or or how do you see this? Yeah, I I think right now it's a battle for that third down specialist, right? And I, I agree with Casey that um, right now Chase Winovich is is having a hard time hanging on to that role. So. Um, between him and Curtis Weaver, you know, we had the, the rare Curtis Weaver sighting uh, against the Eagles, um, and Chris Odom. They're they're sort of similar players, um, so I think you know maybe one of those three guys ends up on the team, um, but it could be that none of them do at this point, uh, just depending on you know how they decide to go. Um, like I said, I, I liked Isaiah Thomas in the first game. Um, he's, he's had an injury that, uh, he should be coming back from this week, I think. Um, you know, so he could, he could make the team. He could end up sliding to the practice squad. Um, I don't know. Um, but anyway, you look at it, deciding that fifth guy, if it, if that's what we end up with is five here. Um, I don't think that guy's going to be, you know, getting a lot of snaps with the guys ahead of him. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. And yeah, I, I would probably go the way Casey's uh, going. Because, um, I, I mean, Isaac Rochelle has the, I think, has the experience. Uh, she's been in the league, what what is it, four four years, six years? Um, some, five somewhere years. along. Five years, okay, yeah, somewhere five along. Years. He's got the experience and he's got the size. Yeah, so he's got that going for him. I mean, Chris Odom and Curtis Weaver have shown a little bit in the preseason, but I don't know if it's enough to, you know, to push somebody like Rochelle, out, you know, out of the way. So, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you guys there, and I yeah, I think um, think they go five guys. So, uh, so yeah, I think we I think we agree. <laughs> so, uh, um, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, I guess we'll see. Um, you know, I, I guess. It, there's potential that something could change in the third preseason game, depending on who they give snaps to. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would think think things are pretty well settled there. So, um, so let's uh, let's move on to let's move on to defensive tackle. And um, from what I can see, the Browns only have six defensive tackles on the roster right now, and and four guys are going to make the team, right? I I don't think they're going to carry ten defensive linemen. So um, probably going to be four defensive tackles, um, and you know, it, right now we we just have to go based on who's on the roster. So you, you have to figure uh, Jordan Elliott, uh, Perrion Winfrey, Taven Bryan, and Tommy Togi are probably making the team. Um, the other guys are Glenn Logan and uh, Roderick Perry. So um, there's a lot of People speculating about the Browns signing a free agent, or you know, because um, because like you said, Casey, um, this is definitely not the strongest unit on the team. Um, I mean, they could use some size there too. Um, most of these guys are right around you know 300. It'd be nice to to get somebody who could move out there at like 320. Um, you know, and you know, uh, plug up the gap a little bit more than this. Um, you know, but still be mobile. Um, so, so we can kind of talk about this and plan this out, but this is kind of a spot where I feel like, like there could definitely be changes after cuts or where they could look to sign somebody. So, um, so, so Jeff, how, how do you see this? Do you see those four guys making the team? Do you think there's a chance one of those guys doesn't? And, and, uh, 
Um, one of the other two guys does make the team. Um, I know Glenn Logan's played a bit. I don't know about Roderick Perry. I couldn't tell you if I've even seen him on the field. Yeah, I mean, he played a little bit against the Eagles. Um, I think, you know, those two guys are are the situational um, zero technique uh, run-stopping guys mm-hmm. um, that we're looking for, but I don't know that they're at a level that we're going to be comfortable putting them out there on first and second down. Yeah. Um, so like you said, I agree that, that there's probably going to be an addition to the roster. I hope there's an addition to the roster. Um, somebody that can, can fill that role. I think this time last year we had what, 10 D tackles in camp. Um, <laughs> so I, I was surprised when, when I saw there's only six right now. Right. Yeah. So it, it kind of makes you think that, that they're going to be watching the waiver wire They're you know, they're, they're still looking to add somebody here. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right with, you know, those first four probably being there, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if we went out and found somebody that if that guy didn't bump one of those first four. Yeah. So, so Casey, if they do go out and find somebody, Who's most vulnerable out of those four guys? Out of those four, it's not going to make people happy. If one of those four go, it comes down between Togiai and Winfrey. Follow the money. They paid Taven Bryan. He's going to be there. And I'm very encouraged by Jordan Elliott. Out of, out of all the defensive tackles, he's the guy that I'm like, I'm always wary of like camp speak. You hear someone transform their body or the lights come on for that guy. Coaches yeah. seem to do this. Yeah. But it actually appeared to be true in Jordan Elliott's case. I don't know if you guys noticed in that Jacksonville game, he is huge now. Like he he put on the weight, you know, and it didn't slow him down. He actually had, he flashed real good against Jacksonville. Uh, I, I'm encouraged by what he can be now to the point. I don't know if he's that zero tech. I don't know if he's going to be that guy that can plug the one hole. Um, but they're going, I think he's going to get the first crack at it, which is why I could see them keeping Glenn Logan on the practice squad because he's a, a larger body that might be able to develop some skills to give them a help later in the season. But, uh, yeah, I think it would come down to Togia and Winfrey. And also, I'm always like, I'm leery when we get someone like Winfrey or Winovich or these players that everyone just kind of rallies around because they get us. You know, the leader in the he gets us clubhouse was definitely Winfrey after his after he got drafted and yeah. he gave his speech and he barks and everyone right. kind of like, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy. And then you watch him play. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a reason he's a fourth rounder, you know, but I'd like to see them keep. I mean, honestly. Togi, came out of college a year too early, so you're going to give him a little time to develop. They drafted him to be the run stuffer, by the way, that was. That was what their goal was with him. And it's taken longer than, than they anticipated, you know, but how quick are they going to be willing to admit they made a mistake and get rid of a guy who was drafted in the fourth round? You know, it's not all that common. Um, yeah. But it also depends yeah. on who becomes available. If there's a player that becomes available that they've had their eye on and he's that dude, you know, all bets are off, you know, I know people would get mad if they cut Winfrey this early, but, this is a results-driven business, and you got to perform, and you got to show that you're on that track. And he didn't play at all in the first quarter, and then as soon as the second quarter started, they put him in, which leads me to believe there was a disciplinary problem with Winfrey. Now they'll never come out and say that because, I mean, for everything Stefanski is, he will not bury his players in the media. So we don't really know what happened there, but that that's kind of odd that as soon as the second quarter started. They sprinted him out there, you know, and they left him yeah. in for the whole game, which also screams to, he might have been in a little bit of a doghouse right there. So hopefully he can work his way out of it because I believe he can actually develop into being a, a uh, plus pass rusher at the defensive tackle position. And in this league, you need a guy that can do that. Uh, like right. I said, they paid Taven Bryan, though, so I don't see them moving on from him. But he hasn't shown anything yet, uh, you know, to this point, so. You know, outside um, of Jordan Elliott, whatever could happen. I'll just say this about Winfrey, uh, Rod. I mentioned to you during the game as we were watching it um, that he looked out of football shape to me. Um, and, and that could be part of what Casey's talking about, about the dis- disciplinary issue is that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he's just really not in shape yet. 
Um, and that could be just contributing to him getting beat. Um, and I mean, he was clearly upset about, you know, how the game unfolded um, and his performance in it. So, you know, hopefully the young man gets the message, right? And and recommits to his job. And and I, I mean, it, I think it would be really quick for them to, to cut him at this point. But, um, you know, it, it is a results business. So, um, you know, and, and on, on Jordan Elliott, you know, he, he needs to show up this year because this is his year, right? So, um, yeah, this is his contract year. So he needs to show up um, and... Hey, hopefully he does. And it's really a tough room to look at who goes because because of these guys being staggered. Because Elliott's at a point where he should be playing well, and it sounds like he's grown into the position, you know, and he's he's in that that kind of prove it year. Yeah. Uh, and and like you said, they they paid Taven Bryant, so you want to get something out of him and and. Uh, Togi seems to look better than he did as a rookie, so you don't want to give up on him. And then you got, and then you got this guy that you brought in as a rookie. So, you know, it's like which one of your fingers do you cut off? <laughs> um, but, but like you said, they're going to let somebody go if the right guy shows up, you know, and is available. So um, they they've made other tough moves. They will figure it out because. Um, when it all comes down to it, you don't want to let any of these guys go, but they do want to make the room better. So right, yeah, they, they will find a way to do it. I'll just say I, I checked uh, Taven Bryan, and uh, he's got uh, three and a quarter million in dead money, um, and that'd be a tough pill to swallow. But they've 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 done it with bigger contracts. Uh, if he's if he's blocking somebody younger that they like, I think they're yeah. I think they'll look at who's playing. You know, that's who they think is going to help them. And, uh, you know, if they think Winfrey is a guy who can grow and be there for the next few years, they might decide to, to ride that out. And, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, maybe maybe they'll figure they can eat that contract. Who knows? I don't uh, know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, that's why they pay those guys to make those decisions and, and not us. Right. <laughs> So let's let's take a look at this linebacker room because there's um, there's quite a few guys in this room and uh, um, let's let's just go through the names first. Um, uh, but, but well, let me ask let me ask you guys first. You, do you know how many linebackers they carried last year? Was it probably probably six. I don't know offhand. I'm guessing six because uh, I'm guessing five. Probably six because I mean. Um, I'm sure it wasn't the same all throughout, but beginning of beginning of the season, I mean, they've got guys, you know, linebackers who uh, primarily special teams guys in that. So I'm thinking well, you got five carry carryover guys on the roster right now, plus Mac Wilson. So they must have kept six. Yeah, it must be six. But Jacob Phillips was out early in the season. Right. Right. So probably five or six, I would think. Yep. I, sh- I should actually have it. Give me one second. I'll see if I can pull it up. Okay. And I apologize. I, I you know, I'm, um, I'm the one who should have prepped on this and looked that up, guys. I shouldn't <laughs> be asking. That should not be the first question I ask you on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, uh, so we have a little trivia question here, guys. I guess how many linebackers they carried last year. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so um, so uh, JOK, Jacob Phillips, Anthony Walker, uh, Sione Takitaki, Tony Phillips. Um, yeah, those would be the those would be the five guys that were on the team last year. Okay, here we go. Last year on the linebacker side, they carried six into the 53. And in 2020, 21 and 20, they both carried six going into the season. Six. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds pretty realistic. So, um, well, let me, let me just ask you, Casey, do you expect any of those, the five carryover guys to have any issue with making the, the team this year? Um, obviously, JOK, Phillips, Walker, 
and I would say Tony Fields. Those guys have spots. Taki Taki. Um, I mean, yeah, Taki Taki plays such a, a pivotal role as the Sam. Now they're only yeah. going to be in that that base D, you know, a handful of times based on who you're playing. Unless you're playing someone like the Ravens, you know, that's just so run heavy. So his uh, his snaps will be limited, but he fulfills a very vital role when he's in there, and he's really good at it. Yeah. Underrated, really. Um, but the way this defense is navigated, like the way that Woods is trying to get this, he's wanting to put five defensive backs on the field as much as possible, and sometimes six, and he uses that extra DB, like if it's Ronnie Harrison as a linebacker, you know. So yeah. Um, and and Walker and JOK play the same position. They want desperately for Phillips to be the Mike. You know, they they that's what that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his health has held him back to this point, you know. So that's some, that's another thing in this next preseason game. Is he going to snatch that? Is he going to just become the Mike? Because the Browns would want nothing more than to put Phillips and JOK next to each other for the next five, six years, you know? Yeah, he's got yeah. all the tools. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's what you're looking for. Tony Phillips look good in reserve, moving east to west. He still doesn't fill lanes well enough, like in the, if the teams are running north and south. <clears throat> but he was a safety in college until his senior year in uh, – uh, West Virginia, but he looks like to be a player that. That's the re- other reason they carry more linebackers because those guys can contribute in special teams. Yeah. So I I, I do agree. I think those guys are going to be locks. I think those are the guys that are coming. I think it comes down to uh, Kunasik and uh, Willie Harvey to be one to make the practice squad. The other to probably make the team. But uh, Dakota Allen. Um... I think I've seen I've seen on when somebody put a 53 out on Twitter, they had Dakota Allen making the team, and I'm I'm not laughing at them, but um, I don't know. I'll be honest, I don't know anything much about him um, to know. But I mean, I've seen Jordan uh, Kunasik play. Um, you know, he seemed to. Uh, you know, he it seems like he would fit in. He flashes um, more, you know. Yeah, you he does. Him. He, he does. You notice him. He's very aggressive in the run game. Right, and I know Willie Harvey's been around for a while and been a special teams guy. And that when he's been active on the team, he's been on the practice squad on and off for yeah, what a couple seasons at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he was even gone for most of last year, and they brought him back. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the Browns like him. Um, so um, Dakota Allen's more of a question mark for me, just because I'm not as familiar with him. But uh, but yeah, it seems to me that those three guys are prob- probably fighting for one spot, and that's probably to play on special teams too. It's not you know they right. they don't so much. You don't really need a sixth line linebacker as a backup on this team so much. <laughs> not going to see the field a whole heck of a lot. So so yeah. you got to contribute in special teams. Like yeah. That's- that's the only reason you're going to be there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, what are your thoughts there? I guess, especially on those three guys. Um, you know, I mean, I guess uh, don't really get a chance to watch these, uh, um, you know, special teams under a microscope to see who's out there and and who's who's doing what. Right. Um, you know, right. so so it's real hard to say. Um, you know, which of these guys? I know Willie Harvey's got got uh time on special teams um i don't know about the other two guys mm-hmm. um yeah i'll just repeat what casey said earlier about jordan Kanasik and his motor um he's got to be on their radar if you know if we're talking about fighting for that last spot um but hey any of those guys um again not you know we're not going to see him on the field a lot but um based on their special teams ability um one of them is going to get that final spot, so I, it could be any of them, as far as I know. I mean, let's just put it this way: do you do you keep a guy like Jordan Kanasik, even if you haven't seen even if you haven't seen him play a lot on special teams, just because of his motor, because you because you figure he's going to do well on special teams? Casey, I don't see how he could. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks plays, like a special teams guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, so hard nosed, like that. That's the guy that you want on your team. He he brings the wood, you know. What I mean, like he's a yeah. tone setter. And yeah. if you have a backup guy that can be a tone setter, that screams special teams to me. 
You know, I know they don't do the traditional wedge busting like they used to. But he'd be candidate number one for that. Yeah. That guy puts his nose in there and he's not afraid. He, his, his, his motor's ridiculous. Like, to me, that's all I was noticing in the second half of that Jacksonville game is I take notes during the games and like 51 was just flashing left and right. Yeah. Um, I know he came from the commanders, I believe. I think that's where they came from. So okay. he's got a little bit of pro experience. I don't know if I would have to look deeper into it to see if he played any specials for them, but I, I can't see rostering a guy like that and not having him on specials unless you're rostering him and he's just not part of the active roster on game day. Um, but he seems like to me a guy that would be a good fit if uh, talk were, were to get hurt. Talk mm-hmm. talk, you would get hurt. I think he'd be a good guy to play that Sam, that strong side edge, and, and sniff out the run. I think that's he looks to be that type of player. Well, I, th- I think that's why you keep Tony Fields. I mean, you're keeping Tony Fields because he can play, but th- I think that's why Tony Fields and Jordan Kanasik would be your fifth and sixth linebackers because you know that they can play special teams too. Um, because you expect them to do well in that arena. Um, I don't think you keep guys that you're not sure about their motor and stuff, you know, because um, the guys that are are down the line on, you know, at the linebacker and safety and that, those are those have to be your guys that are out there kicking butt on special teams. Um, you know, so so yeah, I, I'm I think I'm with you guys. I think uh, you know, I, I think I would go that way too, definitely. So let's go to, um, I, I don't know, this has to be the strongest room on, on the team. And there's, well, I can't say that because we've got the running back room, but yeah. man, there's a lot of strong rooms on this team. The, the cornerback room is one, one of them, though, guys. With uh, um, and, th- and this is in no particular order, but uh, um, with, with Newsom and Ward, um, Greedy Williams, A.J. Green, M.J. Emerson, um, that that's five guys right there that are making the team a corner. Um, and then, uh, and then we have, because, because you're really looking at how many DBs you're carrying. So, so let's just, I'm just going to go down to safety too. And you have John Johnson, Grant Delpit and, uh, and Ronnie Harrison. I think I can't believe any of those guys wouldn't make the team. So that's, um, so that, that, that's eight DBs. Right they carried ten into the last two seasons. Okay, so you, so you got room for two more DBs. So you've got uh, uh, Lavert Hill. You've got Herb Miller, who who played some last uh, last season. Uh, Sean Jolly, um, uh, Javante Moffat, who who has looked uh, pretty good at times between um, you know his. Uh, pastime with the Browns and, you know, and, and things that I've seen. And then we have the uh, Anthony Bell, who uh, would look real good next to Jordan Kanasik on special teams, too, after just just crushing guys. So um, so I, I think I know one guy that you're going with, Casey. Um, uh, I, I tell you what, let's go to Jeff first. Jeff, who, who are your other two DBs? Because I know who Casey's picking. Yeah, I think I know uh, who you're picking too. But okay, so Richard LeCount and DeAnthony Bell, I think, are competing for the same job. Um, because we're probably only going to keep four safeties. And I think we keep a sixth cornerback, so it comes down to Herb Miller, Sean Jolly, or Lavert Hill. And mm-hmm. if it's me, it's Herb Miller. I think so. I, I would think. I would think so. Um, if if it's Herb Miller, then um, as your as your sixth corner, then you're yeah picking that last spot seems really tough. Because um, yeah, it's probably for me. I mean, it's between LeCount and DeAnthony Bell, and then you're not even giving Javante Moffat a shot. Would <laughs> I happen to think he's a pretty good player? But yeah, I think he's going to get squeezed out. Probably just because uh, how, I think that's exactly what this, happened to him last season, right? Yeah, this, a this, late cut last season. Yeah, the the DBs are just so good on this team. Yeah, um, yeah. So so Casey, thanks for being patient. <laughs> I'll let you go now. Um, I think Moffat's a prime candidate for the practice squad. He's experienced. He could step in if he had to. Uh, but 
here's the elephant in the room when we talk about safeties. The Browns have a collection of guys who are excellent in the box. Yeah. They have they want Richie LeCount to be the the backup free safety. And so far he's kind of been inconsistent, hit and miss. Uh, if you made me pick between Anthony Bell and LeCount, I'm taking Bell. I love how his aggressiveness. He uh what when you noticed in this last preseason game, they were using him as an extra linebacker when they had six mm-hmm. DBs on the field, which you know can present some problems for offenses. But this team has a plethora of guys who excel in the box. And the only starter who can play the deep third is Grant Delpit. And I think by making Grant Delpit just play that role, I think you're you're limiting what this defense can be because yeah. to me he's an X-factor player. And if yeah. they really want to unlock this defense, he's got to be that wild card player where the quarterbacks that come line of scrimmage and identify where Grant Delpit is at because he's excellent at the line of Definitely. scrimmage. He can play in the box, but he does have the prerequisite speed to play that deep third. Now they'll play Johnson back there, but he's also excellent near the line of scrimmage. That's kind of where he excels. And you can't put Ronnie Harrison in the deep third. That dude takes the cheese every time and gives up big plays. We've but seen that enough. <laughs> but he's excellent in the box. So yeah, and then commits a penalty after like good strong safeties. <clears throat> uh, so. So, I mean, so do, I'm sorry. Do, do you? I mean, is DeAnthony Bell that same type of player? Yeah, no. DeAnthony Bell's a yeah, he's so, seeking missile in the box. Uh, like I said, they'll play him in, like he kind of in that Ronnie Harrison role where he's basically just an extra linebacker. Which you need those kind of players, but at the end of the day, you need to be more diverse in your skill set in that room in particular. Because if not, Grant Delpit's just going to be in the deep third every time, which he's good at that. But he could be so much more. Yeah, you're not using his abilities. Yeah, so I so know. Richard I mean, Count might get the, the the spot just because he can play the deep third. Not that he excels at it, but he's like he he's adequate, and he could grow into being a better backup, you know, free safety, and play that deep third better. But I, I do think that was like going into this off season, I was convinced that Andrew Barry would find someone to play the one tech and defensive tackle and he would get another true free safety on this team to kind of allow this to be more of an amoeba defense in the back end because they're so talented from cornerback to safety, but they just have too many of the same skill sets at safety to allow the Grant Delpit to be what he could fully be. I thought he, I thought, um, I thought they would draft a free safety. I really did. Um, you know, somebody to compete with the count. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, uh, th- there's just so much talent on this team. Like you said, when when guys have the same skill sets, um, it's hard to it's hard to capitalize on on all those skills when you got guys trying to fill different roles when when they're all good at the same thing. So, um, so so yeah. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating this year to see what Joe Woods does if he's got all of these guys healthy. And how he utilizes that depth at cornerback, um, and if he if he really is putting six guys, six DBs on the field at once, who that is, you know how how that's structured, uh, because I think Martin Emerson now is the wild card in that, right? So we'll see where he ends up matching up, um, and I'm pretty excited to see the kind of impact that that our defensive backs can have on a game in in creating turnovers specifically. I love Emerson's skill set. Um, I did a deep dive on him because, like anyone else, I didn't have that on my bingo card. I didn't think the no. first pick was going to be a cornerback. We all thought um, it was a stupid pick, right. too, until so, we found out about him. Yeah. So when they drafted him, I immediately went to the deep dive, and like he has a lot of Richard Sherman tendencies. You know, He's not overly fast. He's physical, he's long, he's aggressive, he plays downhill. I think he's an excellent candidate. Like when we play the Ravens, that's somebody I feel comfortable that can go on Mark Andrews, which mm. we haven't had that guy. We just haven't. No, no most teams right. don't, you know. So he they're going to have a role mm-hmm. for Martin Emerson right out the box. And uh, I don't know if that really cuts into Greedy's playing time right away, but eventually he's going to surplant Greedy and, and be that corner opposite of Denzel, I think. I think that's the eventuality of it. 
But like, even the Browns, you think, I mean, going into that, there was something about Emerson they couldn't pass up, obviously. I mean, so they definitely, they're going to have a plan for him. He's going to, we're going to see him right out the box. We're going to see him up front with a role. And it's just going to be cool to see that evolve. Um, he's also excellent against the run. He could, in certain positions, he could be a big slot. Because you're seeing this in the NFL now, because back in the day, slot receivers were always these short, fast, quick burst guys. But now you're seeing players like Juju Smith-Schuster, kind of that, that's his role in the slot. Emerson would match up really well against a player like that. So it's just the evolution, and things are kind of catching up. And I think Emerson's the Browns' answer to that. I mean, Emerson, just just watching him play, he's 6'2", 201, and he just he looks bigger than that. He's the I longest he, six foot two I've ever seen. He plays. He just plays big, and so I I think you're absolutely right. He's going to be able to cover linebackers, and it's it's not going to be a problem from him. I mean, he he was when he when he had that that pick, and and he just ripped the ball out of that receiver's hands. It's like this guy is not your average cornerback. Um, so so it, he, he's going to be fun to watch. And I mean, and, and he hasn't even played in an NFL game yet. So just watching him develop. Um, well, let me go back to the DB room, guys. Um, what do you think the chances are that um, the that the split is six corners, four safeties versus five corners, five safeties? Do you think that's a possibility? What do you think, Casey? Absolutely. Yeah, this cornerback room is too talented. And you can never have enough corners in this league. I mean, ever. And I don't, I'm not trying to like talk down on some players, but as great as Denzel is, he's going to miss a game. He's going to. He does every year. So are you leaning two? So are you leaning six corners or, or five? I would say six. So you're thinking six. Six. Yeah. So you're going the way Jeff said, which was, was with uh, probably with with maybe Herb Miller making the team, and then. And then going with four safeties. Yes. Okay. That's so where it's at right now. Uh, but I think Moffitt ends up on the practice squad, and he has a good skill set to where you can call him up at a moment's notice. Um, I think they like Sean Jolly a great deal. I just think he's on the outside looking in. Uh, Miller's put himself in good position. He'd be a better position if he had snagged that pick six last week. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he's in good position. You know, he's he trusts his he's technique. Um, and that, and this league gets hard to find, you know. And if you have a competent corner, you're not going to move on from him. So I'd say six corners is likely, with four safeties. Um, but like we said, they don't really have that true free. So if someone were to become available, this could be an evolving equation. Yeah, yeah. So um, if they go six four and they keep a count, that puts the Anthony Bell out. You get, would you think he'd make the practice squad? Well, he's 25 awesome. years old, and for a rookie, that's kind of old. You know, he came yeah. from West Florida. Um, I, wouldn't, I don't even know what their mascot is. I have no idea. Uh, but he's put a lot of good stuff on tape, man. I don't think that's going to go unnoticed. He's he looks to be a heat-seeking missile out there. I, I would he's love a, a way to be able to keep him on the practice squad, but I don't know if you're going to be able to sneak him on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like we've said, um, you know, it, it's better to have tough decisions <laughs> because for a lot of years. <laughs> These dudes would all be starters. Yeah, the, the Browns um, had yeah. no decisions. It's like, um, you know, it was it was cutting guys who sucked that nobody else had any interest in. <laughs> now they've actually they've got some players and they're going to be cutting some good players. So, um, um not uh, not necessarily fun to let good guys go, but uh, you know it's good to have a talented roster. So so yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what, guys, we're we're going to uh, skip special teams because there is no anxiety whatsoever about special teams this year. So uh, Thank goodness. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. So um, that's it, guys. I think we got the defense figured out. Um, looking forward to the to the game against the Bears, um, and then um, and then we got the 
the final cuts coming after that. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know about, I don't know, uh, Casey, are, are you, uh, are you going to put out your guess for the final 53 before, before the 53 is announced? I think that assignment's already been taken by my editor. He seems to have that one on lock. Uh, we don't even get the bid for that one. Um, so I probably won't get a shot at that. Randy takes that every year. Yeah, yeah, no, he's 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 got a lock on that. Let's <laughs> well, that's for that the, Tuesday morning, first thing. That's the uh, that that's what happens when when you're the editor. Yeah, yeah, nay, all Makes props sense. to him. He does way more than I do. He does a lot of the heavy lifting. I we we have a, a really guy. good group of talented writers, and those those bids go up quick when he puts the strategy sheet out. Those claims go like that. You know, you get what you get, you know. So I think I, uh, I'll i be reviewing the defensive standouts from this upcoming game. So that'll be out probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Excellent. Something like That's what I'll get to do this week. And then the real work starts, man, the regular season. That's where it really gets fun. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, we've been going for a while. So, uh, uh, Casey, we, we appreciate you joining us. It's been fun. Uh, yeah, it's been a blast, your... man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, what, uh, um, what closing words would you like to leave everybody with? Uh, look, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm, I'm there, you know, for better or for worse, at Casey underscore Kinnaman. Uh, so come at me there if you have any questions or if you just want to tell me my takes are horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it. Um, I make a weekly appearance on Sports for CLE on Cleveland.com. You can, you can find me there. And uh, I'm I'm in the bunker with everyone here, man. I'm a Browns fan for better or for worse. So let's uh, see what the season does for us. And everybody hold fast. It's going to be quite a ride. That sure is. So, uh, Jeff, closing words for us? Uh, Just big week coming up for a lot of these bottom of the roster guys. Um, I hope to see a lot of good competition. And let's come out of that third preseason game healthy and roll into the season. Amen. Go Browns. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.